Hi there, this is Jacob Msipa, the senior pastor of Builders Church. I just want to thank you for taking time to listen to our podcast today. And I trust that it will bless and build your spirit. Enjoy the message and God bless you. Amen. So as you know, we are uh, on our theme, Grace and Truth. Um, and it has been quite a blessing. And today, I want to focus on a very interesting subject in the church these days. Uh, these, these days, giving grace. Amen. Second Corinthians 8, verse number 7. I'm going to read it in the NIV, the New International Version. It says, but since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, because all of us, we want to excel, right? Then it says, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. See that you also excel in this grace of giving because we, we as Christians, we always speak about excellence in every area of our lives, but we hardly put emphasis on this kind of um, excellence, excelling in the grace of giving. Father, thank you for your word. We pray that you speak to us this morning in Jesus' name. We pray. Amen. Let's begin with uh, righteousness and generosity. True righteousness, which is of God. True righteousness, which is of God. Not our own selfish or self-righteousness. But righteousness, which is of God, will always lead to generosity. It will always cause us to want to give or be kind to other people. And when I say the righteousness that comes from God, I, I, I mean the righteousness that comes because we have declared our faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible says Jesus became sin for us so that we can become the righteousness of God, so that we can become righteous. Not the righteousness. Um, and when I say Self-righteousness, I simply mean the things that we choose to do because we think if I do one, two, and three, I will qualify myself to be a righteous person. And there are things that are appealing before the eyes of men that can make us look righteous only to find that before God, it's not even... That's why the book of Isaiah says, our own righteousness is like filthy rags before God. And, and, and there is what the Bible calls self-imposed religion. <laughs> that is very impressive before the eyes of men. Very impressive. You, you can look the part on the outside. You can talk Christianese, Walk like a Christian. There are people that when, when, as they walk, you can tell that's, that's a Christian. Like the way that they walk, uh, the way that they're dressed, you like, you call uh, The way they greet, you know, you know, uh, there's this way that we greet as, as, as Christians that, you know, I won't go, you know, and then you like, this is a Christian. And I'm not saying it's wrong, but we must not rely on such things. 
to make us feel that we are righteous. True righteousness is through faith in Jesus Christ, believing in him who became sin for us so that we can become the righteousness of God. But that righteousness will always lead us to generosity. In other words, to giving, to be kind to other people, to be a generous person. It is to show a readiness to give more of something that is strictly necessary. To be generous, it is to show kindness towards other people. So righteousness makes us to move from self-centeredness to think about the next person and how can I be kind towards them, right? This means you cannot be righteous and be a miser at the same time. A miser, uh, where I come from, a miser sit hungoko. using the same hungoko. Um, and then I think in other areas, ngalego chobe kisinoksemisa ungame barakingame ne wangamela. Yeah, kasi suki the Sutu people lukikingame. Um, kona linye kama ubamuzimelo beka tando gulu sebenzisa ati. Uhobo, at a miser. Uh, you know that popular scripture that says, as a man thinks, so he is. If you read it in full context, reading a verse before that, it says, do not eat the bread of a miser. In other words, don't eat the bread of, don't, don't take something from a person who is a miser. Oh, ngame. Because then the Bible says, as he thinks, so he is. He gives you this, but his heart is not with you. He's thinking about what he has given you. He's like, hey, what a waste. <laughs> Why did I even have to? So, so the Bible advises us not to indulge and enjoy receiving from a person who is a miser. And, and the sad part is that when we train our hearts to, to be misers, you end up becoming a miser to your own children. Yeah, when you leave, you count the slices of bread. You become a miser. You, it's like when you're supposed to take your, your family uh, on a holiday, you're calculating. You, it feels like a waste. Why? Because you're a miser. You've trained your heart to become a miser. It's like, how can you want us to go on holiday with this money, that, this last money that is left? Not understanding that even that is an investment. You are sowing a seed uh, towards your family. You will reap joy. You will reap peace. You will, uh, you, and, and, and when you come back and there's no bread at home and you, you say to them, it's because we were from holiday and they think about how they enjoyed. They're like, it's cool. We'll drink water because the holiday did some good to us as a family. So you cannot be righteous and be a a miser at the same time. Righteousness leads to generosity. As a matter of fact, the Bible describes uh, uh, being a miser as foolishness. Isaiah 32 verse 5 says, The foolish person will no longer be called generous. Nor the miser said to be bountiful. So, so if you are a miser, 
Forget about abundance in your life. And, and the whole idea of being stingy is to try and keep as much as possible for yourself. But the Bible teaches that when you do that, you'll end up losing everything that you're trying to gather for yourself. So one of the things that God will teach us when we decide to become Christians, we need to accept that it, it's part of the package. Once you decide to become a Christian, one of the things, one of the major things that God will teach you is to be a generous person, to be giving, to, to, to be always ready to give without thinking twice. That is what actually drives the message of Christianity. Generosity. Giving. Without it, Christianity will never grow. It will never work. It will never be effective. The message will not spread. It will be impossible for us to live out this Christian life without generosity. The very first church that was planted in the book of Acts was marked by generosity. To a point that the Bible says, no one lacked amongst them. So, we cannot separate giving from Christianity. No matter how upset we can be, offended we can be. I don't know, like I said earlier, maybe, you know, there are things that we've heard, things that, but it does not nullify the principle. The principle still stands. Let me read a scripture because probably you're saying to me, Bamfundis, how do you know that, you know, righteousness leads to generosity? Psalm 37 verse 21, it says, The wicked borrows and does not repay, but the righteous shows mercy and does what? You know, before we even get to the second part, the first principle that I'm picking up there is that borrowing and not returning is wickedness. If you've borrowed anything from anybody, especially money, please pay it back. And, and let, me, let me help you. Let me help you this. Pray to God. Ask God and say, God, you said I'm the righteousness of God. I have the righteousness of God. Help me to give this money back. Help me. Amen. Whether it's a bank you're owing, whether it's whoever you're owing, just, just ask God to make you righteous. Say, Lord, I don't want to be wicked. I want to pay back the money. Stop dodging. It's, 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 it, this is, it's, it's in the Bible. It's not Jacob and Sibo says it. It's in the Bible. The wicked borrows and does not repay. But, but the righteous shows mercy and does what? And they give. So I want to be positioned on the side of righteousness. In fact... We need to, as Christians, start believing God for a debt-free life. 
Is it possible? Yes. We need to start believing God for a debt-free life and say to God, because the Bible says one of the blessings promised in Deuteronomy 28 is that you shall be a lender and not a borrower. It's a promise. And it's up to us to come after it and say, God, I, 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 whatever. Mr. David was talking about testing God. Just say, God is from today. I'm going to be faithful with uh, giving in my life. And what I'm asking from you is that help me to live a debt-free life. I want to transition from being a borrower to becoming a lender. The only way I learned the difference between borrowing and lending, um, it was at school, English class. Another teacher said to me, picture this, borrow. It's the shape of the bee. Lend is an L. So borrowing turns us into becoming beggars. It says the borrower becomes the slave of the lender. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you've borrowed money from the bank, the most scariest phone call. So we need to believe God and say, God, help me to live a debt-free life. Help me uh, to get to a point where I can live from a place of abundance. We can say whatever that we want to say about other countries that seem to be in poverty. But the blessing about countries like Ghana, you know, I used to visit Ghana quite often. And, you know, they used to tell me that any car you see on the road, any house that you see um, a person living in, you need to know that it's debt-free. It's because there's no, there, I'm not sure now, currently, but back then there was no system of lending. If you want to build a house, you have to build it with your own money. If you want to buy a car, you need to have cash. And there were cars. There are, I mean, the traffic there is crazy. There are cars everywhere. But unfortunately, sometimes, you know when the Bible says do not conform to the systems of this world, it includes that. Because these systems, unfortunately, we also are entangled by them. And these are the very same systems that make us not to be generous. Because before I think about giving, the debit orders have taken everything. Because, man, we borrow for clothes. We borrow for furniture. We borrow for food. We borrow for everything. You know, you can start by... The first step of living a debt-free life, it is to start by saying, uh, let me start with the simple things. As from today, I'm not going to buy clothes on account. Like, I mean, how ridiculous can our country be? They give credit for clothes. <laughs> Something that you will wear, probably then it wears out. You're still paying. I remember when we got married with my wife, we, we agreed. We said we are not going to buy furniture on credit. Just rather sit on a crate until we can afford to buy a couch. We started there. No clothes. We, we had to cut. We said, open your wallet. Let's see what cards are there. 
Let's chop some few plastics. Let's chop them up. Amen. It's possible. Don't be scared. Don't shrink on me now. It's possible. Say, I am not wicked, but I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, I give generously. I am the lender and not the borrower. The righteous shows mercy and gives. The New Living Translation puts it this way, but the godly are generous givers. The godly are generous givers. Easy English translation, but the righteous people are kind to others and they give things freely. One of my observations, especially around church, whenever the subject of giving is mentioned, uh, that makes people shrink or get upset, it's not because they don't want to give. It's because their finances are all over the place. And shame, Tina, we just simply teaching or preaching God's principle. But let's try and answer this question. What is giving? What is biblical giving? What, what is it that the Bible means when it says give? Because we need to understand it, I believe, from the biblical point of view. We need to understand it so that we can especially know what are we doing when we are giving especially money to the church and why are we doing it? Why are we doing it? Because I want us to know this. I always teach that we give, there are three levels at which we can give. And the higher you go, the better you become in terms of your understanding. The first level of giving, by the way, which is the lowest, is to, leave, to give <laughs> condescendingly. Right? You give, not really grudgingly, but you give because you can afford. You think you are helping God. It's condescending. You're saying, God, I'm up here. You are down there. You need my money. Mr. Davis said something critical um, earlier, that God does not need our money. And, and here's the thing. You, you can think that you are a giver because you became a member of a poor church. You are the only rich person. And you give from a place of thinking they need me. I can afford, they, they, you, you know, you're giving condescendingly. You, you, you like, oh, well, and, and, you know, everybody must tiptoe around you uh, because even God himself, you are lending and he's borrowing from you. And, 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 and the second one is to give out of obligation. You are giving because the church says so. You're getting better in it, but you're still giving grudgingly. It's like you're doing it because you must. They said we must tithe. So I'm going to tithe anyway. And it leaves a bitter taste in your heart because you don't find joy in it. You don't see the reason why I must do it. But you find yourself being a Christian and Christians have this principle called tithing or giving. So I'm going to do it anyway. 
And yes, you can be consistent in it, but you can never experience the full benefit of it because you're still doing it out of obligation of which Paul taught against that in the book of Corinthians. He said it must not be an obligation. There must be willingness, but that willingness must come from the third, third, third level of giving, which is revelation. I'm doing it out of understanding. What is it that I'm doing? When you take out money from your account and you are giving it to church, you are giving it to someone else, there has to be some accompanying revelation because giving is a spiritual thing. It's a spiritual thing. Maybe let's, let, let me make an example. It's something that we are aware of. When, I'm not, I'm not going to talk about Yeah, I didn't mention names, so. But I'm talking about, you know, a time where you had to, when you go to consult, come with money, we beg Msamo, I think. And it was not really about the amount, but it was, it was about the point of contact because it's a spiritual transaction that is happening there. So you would bring, I remember we were sitting uh, in some restaurant, or I think it was at Gateway, Tasha's outside, and there was one of these Instagram sankomas, uh, and somebody walked up to them and put 100 rands on the floor, uh, and then then that person sat down and then started having a conversation with this lady and then walked off with that 100 rands on the, on the floor. So it's not about an amount, but it's a spiritual thing that is taking place there. You see? So even at church, when you, are, you must never think it's just contribution. You see, it's not contribution. 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 We, we, we come from uh, churches. There are churches we used to attend. I'm not going to mention names. Where Besazuguti Sunday collection, right? Because we thought we are contributing. It's not contributing. It's more than contributing. Yes, we are indirectly contributing, but it's not mainly contributing. We must not reduce giving to thinking that, you know, it's about meeting the costs. Yes, it does meet the cost, but it's not about that. It's not about that. God can build his church without us if he wants to. But it's a very deep thing. It's deeper than that. So that's why I want to take time. I want to give you just four definitions of giving today and then we are going to go. Just so that we can have revelation of what is it that I am doing when I am giving. To a point that even when you are giving to the poor, the Bible says, when you are giving to the poor, you are actually lending to God. And it says he will reward you. So do you see how spiritual it is? You just gave somebody random, you were helping them. And then the Bible says God records it in your account. Then he will pay you back. And when he pays you back, he gives it back to you in abundance. That's how deep this thing is. So when you're helping somebody, don't do it out of honor. Don't do it condescendingly to think that you are better than them. Because God is watching over that transaction. He's looking at the heart. Because somebody who is asking for help, Bazalwan, it does not matter if they are in need and that makes us, because somebody, when somebody asks for help from you, automatically it makes you feel better than them. 
That's why I made that, that, you know, example of that video that went viral. You know, it resonated with so many people that when somebody, when you have asked for help from somebody and they said, Nzokfagela, no one. And then they forget about you. They, whether intentionally or unintentionally, but they forget about you. Have you ever felt how small it makes you feel to remind them? Probably this hundred rands is not much to him with the thousands of rands that he, but for me, this hundred rands is a matter of life and death. So now I must feel small and and beg. That's why Tavite Ati, I was young and now I'm old. Um, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Uh, never seen the righteous forsaken. No, he's seed begging for bread. For bread, I, 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 and I put it like this: the greatest blessing you can ever leave for your children is for them not to beg for anything. They must not beg for anything. It's like I can go through it myself, and probably it's so that I can taste how painful it is. And my prayer should be, Father, whether I'm dead or alive, my children must not beg for anything. Because begging make, reduces an adult into a small boy. Somebody who has more money than you, it does not matter whether you are older than them. They can make you feel small in an instant. Even by just giving you money. Make you feel like a slave. Look at how our parents, when, when they were working for... Uh, <laughs> Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not going to mention names. But when they were working, our parents, a man that you respect at home, that you honor at home, but when you visit them at work, they're reduced to small boys. They run around. Why? Because somebody has more money than them. They're paying them. They're reducing them into... So that's why in the kingdom of God, God introduces the system of giving so that you are going to help somebody not out of I am better than you type of a situation, but out of observing a principle that honors God. It has got nothing to do with the person that you are helping, but everything to do with God. And I need to do it with a proper heart and motive. You know, somebody gives you a cell phone. And, and for as long as that cell phone is in your hands, when they show up, <laughs> you, you better behave well with that cell phone in your hands because the one who gave it to you is around. And his mind is on that phone to say, you must not forget that you have that phone, you are able to take pictures, it's because of me. I want us, when we go back home, to pray a prayer and say, God, help me, number one, not to be a borrower. Number two, help me not to be a beggar. If you have a friend in your life that pushes you to, the, to a place of begging them, that's not a true friend. Change that circle quickly. You have to beg them for a favor to come pick you up somewhere. You have to, a, a true friend 
will not wait for you to beg. They will offer before you ask. By just observing that you are in need, they will offer. So that you don't have to be reduced to begging. Poverty, the word poverty, also means to be a beggar. That's why I hate it with every fiber of my being. And poverty, when it's here, automatically you, you, you always feel like people are better than you and you always have to be. Have you ever found yourself in life where you're always around people where you have to be small all the time? And even in churches, that must not be the case. Irrespective of how much God has blessed you, don't make the person sitting next to you feel like they are down there. No matter who they are. I don't have to know how, what position you hold for me to treat you with respect. The Bible says we must honor all men. Amen. That's crazy. And we need to correct ourselves even as churches. This thing of sitting rich people in the front seat... It's not on. It's not on. It's not on. Really, it's not, it's not nice. It's not nice. It's like now I have to prove myself for me to be recognized as somebody. A church. The blood of Jesus Christ is an equalizer in the church. Does not matter how rich you are. It's the same blood of Jesus Christ that cleansed that, that poor person in our, in our uh, own way of thinking. Some, it's the same blood of Jesus Christ. It's the same blood of Jesus Christ. And we've, I mean, we came up with strange doctrines to try and justify these evil acts in the church. Even to qualify to hold a mic, you, you have to dress in a certain way and you must look, the, it's like you must look expensive. Wow. And the sad part is that many Christians are in debt because they're trying to prove a point to somebody. They are parking pickers outside they can't give. You mention money. They throw a fit because I let me behave. We, we need to correct all of these things. We need to correct all of these things and make sure that we build the church of Jesus Christ proper. And make everybody feel at home. You know, uh, somebody once asked me, no, let me not say it. Num uh, number one, what is giving? <laughs> uh, what is giving? Number one, it is an act of generosity towards God through his house and his people. And it is referred to in the Bible as offering or sowing. 
and it is motivated by love. Giving is an act of generosity towards God through his house and his people referred to in the Bible as offering or sowing and it is motivated by love. Any and, and the reason why I'm saying is generosity towards God. Whether you are giving to church or to a human being, a poor person or whatever, you are doing it first unto God. And I'll show you in just a minute why am I saying that. It is just being generous towards God. Towards God. Uh, through his house, which is the church, and his people. Right? As long as a person is a human being, they qualify to receive something from you. <laughs> Psalm 136 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. So giving is generosity first towards God. Give, we give thanks to, to God. We'll see in just a moment because generosity is directly linked with, I mean, giving is directly linked with gratitude give thanks to the lord for he is good god is a good god so we must always give something towards god and it does not have to be just money but many other things that we are showing kindness love towards people the church because we have god in mind 2 Corinthians 9 verse 5 says, Therefore I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time and prepare your generous gift beforehand, which you had previously promised that it may be ready as a matter of generosity, take note, and not as a grudging obligation. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give. Let each one do what? Give. As he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. He enjoys it when you are just simply going to give, you know, uh, with a heart that is full of joy and excitement. You are, you are so happy that you can do this for someone else. Why? Because you have God in mind. You have God in mind. Right? Uh, 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 this act can only come out like that only when it is motivated by love. John 3 verse 16 says what? For God so loved the world. He so loved the world that he gave. First his heart was filled with love. He could not help himself but offer us something that we needed the most. Without this love, we cannot be generous givers. Never. It, we have to be motivated by love. Out of our love for God, we give. Out of our love for his church, we give. Out of our love for his people, we give. And the motive has got to be, why am, I, why am I giving you? It's because I love you. It's because I love you. And, and when we are failing to show generosity towards our family, it just shows us the level of our love for them. Your level of giving is directly linked to your level of love. 
That's why the Bible says, and, and that's why in these days we see that we are becoming more and more selfish. Why? Because the Bible says in the end times when lawlessness and disorder increases, it says the love will grow cold. The love will grow cold. So we need to rekindle our love for God so that we don't have to calculate when it comes to giving. Because it is motivated by love. Even he himself, that's why I'm saying Christianity was not going to be possible without generosity, without giving. For God, listen, God did not borrow us Jesus. He gave, he, he gave him to us out of his love for us. That's why the Bible says while we were still sinners, he demonstrated his love for us by sending Jesus to come and die for our sins. So our giving in the church, we have to fall in love with God, fall in love with his agenda, which is his church and his people. That's why the church exists. It exists so that people can be saved, so that people can find a home. So out of that love that we have, out of that love that we have, man, we give to our children because we love them. We give to our friends because we love them. What motive do I have when I help my friend? It is love. Unconditional love. No strings attached. I said when I started, don't... I said when I started, look, not retaining what you've borrowed is wickedness. Ne? Let me take it to another level. Don't borrow anyone anything that you don't love. Just in case they don't return it. Don't borrow anyone anything that you don't love. So that when they are unable to return it, you are not going to hold a grudge against them. The reason why the bank will be on your case, they don't love you. They've not probably, you know, the only person you met in the bank was the teller that approved the, the loan or that consultant that approved the loan. They don't know you. They don't know where you live. They don't care about you and your feelings and your well-being and the stress that you're going to go through after the, they want their money. They want their money. That's, all. That's why they will repossess that car. They don't care about you and your children and the joy that you were having driving. They don't care. They will take that car back. It's not yours. You are owing us. You must pay us. Let me repeat myself. Don't borrow anyone money or anything that you don't like. Only borrow people money that you don't have a problem when they don't return it. In my life, there are three people in my life who are my friends who can borrow money from me. Three. I can borrow them any amount of money without expecting them to return it. If it comes, bless the Lord. If it doesn't, that's okay. I'm not bothered. I'll love them anyway. I'll visit their house. I'll still buy them things. I'll still do whatever that they need me to do because our relationship has got nothing to do with what they can get from me. I said I'm their friend. I said I love them. If I become a friend to somebody, I'm a loyalist. I'm with you through thick and thin. I can sell my car for you. Yes. 
for your well-being. I can sell my car. I can do anything. They say you are, you are lying in the hospital. There's an operation that you must do. It needs 300,000 rands. I don't have it in the bank account. I'm the only one who can help you at that stage. And the only thing I have is the car of that value. I'll sell it. I'll give my kidney for my friend. I'll do that. Yeah, yeah, my friend. It's my friend. I love you. It's a covenant friend. It's like, listen, that's why the Bible says, do not sign surety yeah. on behalf of anyone. It shows, teaches us that principle to say, don't just, you know, enter into lousy relationships. You need to understand that when you say this one is my best friend, what is the meaning of that? It does not mean we take pictures together on Instagram. It's deeper than that. My pain is your pain. Your suffering is your suffering. I will divide my groceries for you. It means that. I will split my salary in half for you. You are my friend. Your pain is my pain. That's why you can't, the Bible says choose friends wisely. And you can't have many of those. There must be a limited list in your life of the people you call friends. If you are expecting a return, don't borrow anyone. That's my principle of that will never. My issue is I'd rather give you. I'd rather give you and not expect any. I'd rather give you. I know I'm saving myself the pain of when you are unable to return it. Then my sick filing dealing ends on the yogu te manji lea passe lea lea language you would manji. I mean, do you know how awkward it is to make a phone call of trying to get a payback? Do you know how awkward that conversation is? So I'd rather talk about anything else rather than to have a conversation with Manje. You know, so for us not to, and if I, I'm, I'm in no position to give to you, I'd rather not borrow you. So I, I always have people who come, hey Manje, I'm fundi sangbolege, good. I'm like, I can't borrow you anything because it will, especially if you're a congregation member. It's a problem. How am I going to get back my, as your pastor? Now I'm phoning you, I want my money. I'm your pastor. And on Sunday, now I'm preaching this message. You are sitting down there, you're like, he's talking about me. He's talking about, he's trying, the man is trying to get his money back. The man is using the message to try and get it. Can you imagine how awkward? So I want to preach freely from this place. Yeah. I'd rather give you. That's it. I'm, I'm, I'm cool like that. So have a few people. Reduce your list of people you call best friends. Have friends and have best friends. Because if there's no love, it's going to be difficult. If there's no love, it's going to be difficult. Because there are people who will say, when it comes to money, I don't play games. I forget about the fact that I'm a Christian. Money, when money is involved. Hey, so I don't want to sin because of money. Hey, trying to get my money and then I end up sinning. That's why the Bible says the love of money. It doesn't say money. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. So, 
Sometimes we love money so much. We do it at the expense of relationships and our relationship with God would rather Kunabantu Bazalwan who left churches because I can't be here because no man and bola pestage a paramis is and young quellet. Us paramisan is and quellet. Give me my money and then go raise up your hands. <laughs> I'm delivering somebody in this place. Uh, there's a teaching I do of how to stay long in a church. One of the things I mentioned there is that have a good relationship with money. If you want to be a long-standing member of a church, have a good relationship with money. Because money is it can turn tables around. You see, Kumnan Ganjani Pilda's church. She pumek Jalin Makfige Malin was I. Konagumnan de Sontu and got an gag. Challenge him in a boom to lap and quiet. Let me leave you with the second definition. I wanted to give you four, but I'll give you two. The second one it is an expression of worship. Giving is an expression of worship. Honor and gratitude towards God. And it is carried out by faith. And it can only be sustained by grace. What do I mean it's an expression of worship? The first time worship was mentioned in the Bible. Check me out on this one. The first time the word worship was mentioned in the Bible. It was in Genesis chapter 22 and verse number 5. It had nothing to do with singing. There was no band, there was no singing. What was happening? Abraham took his son Isaac. God said to him, give your only son as a sacrifice. The Bible says he was traveling with his workers. Then he got to the certain point. He said to them, stay here while me and the lad will go and worship. What was he going to do? He was going to give an offering to God. The word offering means something given in worship. It's worship. When we give a church, it's part of my worship. And it is an act of honor to God. That's why we can't do it condescendingly. It's an act of honor. I give humbly to God out of honoring. Proverbs, I mean, Proverbs 3 verse 9 says, honor the Lord with your substance. We don't just end up by saying, Lord, I honor you. I honor God with my substance, with my possessions. I honor God with my, when I give, it's out of honor. It's out of fear, out of reverential fear. That, that, that deep-seated respect I have for God. In other words, I do it respectfully. I do it trembling. I do it being very much conscious of that very act. I don't, what are you doing? It's out of honor to say, Lord, man. And, and I said there, it is an expression of worship, honor, and gratitude to say, God, I'm grateful that I, I get to have a job. 
I'm grateful that you have given me wisdom. I'm, I'm grateful that you have given me health to be able to work a job. There are many people uh, on the streets without a job. Lord, I'm grateful for my house. I'm, I'm grateful for the kids that I have. I'm grateful for the brains you've given me. I, hence, with my substance, I am honoring you today. Because it is part of my worship. It's part of my worship unto God. I'm saying it. I'm doing it because I, I, I realize how much God has done for me in my life. And guess what? I don't even deserve it. That's why the Bible tells us also that it must also be done by faith. In other words, out of the revelation, the Bible says faith comes by hearing. So upon hearing what giving is, I am responding to what God is saying to me concerning giving. Listen, the Bible says Abraham gave or offered Isaac. It says it was by faith. It says Abel gave an excellent offering by faith. In other words, believing in this principle that if God says I must do it, I'm going to do it. And the Bible says anything that we do which is not of faith, it is sin. We are responding to the revelation we've received. Now that I know that this is worship, I'm going to apply my faith in there. That's why I said, Mr. David prayed today. I mean, this word he shared, he said, it's almost like saying, uh, bring all your faith. So when we are giving, we are bringing our faith to the table because giving does not make sense. Especially when the Bible calls it sowing. How am I planting money? How am I, when I'm putting money in this basket, You say I'm planting. It doesn't make sense. It can only be by faith. I believe in this principle. In the same way that salvation does not make sense. It's by faith. We say your sins are forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. How does that work? it, It can only be faith. It can only be faith. It can only be faith to say this is what God said and I'm going to do it by faith, and lastly, it can only be sustained by grace. That's why the Bible talks about don't get weary in well-doing, because giving is tiring. Having always to give is tiring. Try tithing every month. You're like, oh, just when I thought I can breathe a bit. Ah, By the way, I still need to separate this much. Out of all of the other, it's tiring. That's why you also need to depend. The Bible calls it the grace of giving. To say every time, God, it's difficult, but give me the grace to do this thing. Because it's something that you have asked of me to do it, and I want to do it, Lord, but grant me the grace to do it. Grant me the grace to be consistent with it. It can only be the grace of God because it's one thing to give out of abundance, but it's totally another to give out of lack. When you give because you have extra, it's easy. Let's wait if you can give the last money that you have. It can only be by the grace of God. Many of us, if God can show up today and say, just give me your whole salary this month. Oh, we can rebuke the devil. We're like, devil, you are a liar. That cannot be God. The whole salary. 
That's not devil, wherever you are, I cast you out. I rebuke you. And God is sitting in heaven. He's like, can you imagine Abraham could have done the same? That his only begotten son. God comes, he says, mm -hmm. you believed me for a son for all these years. Let's see if you love the gift more than the giver. Give me your son. Abraham did not even consult with his wife. Sarah had no clue what was happening. He just saw them carrying wood, going. He thought, hey, They just left. Sarah had no clue. Because can you imagine the, the, the mother's love? We, we were believing. I told that angel not to mock me. At my age, am I going to have... And finally it happens. And now you are telling me we must give this only son. You must be mad. Abraham took the son, left, told the guys, I'm going to worship, wait here. This is worship to God. I'm not trying to do him a favor. It's worship to God. Let's please stand on our feet. Say, I am not wicked. I am the righteousness of God. Therefore, I am generous. Say, I will live a debt-free life. I will never be a borrower but I will be a lender. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. Help us to excel in this grace of giving. We depend on your grace to help us to be generous people. Help us to be those who will meet needs, not just for our children, not just for our families, but help us to help other children as well. Help us to, have, to help other families. Oh God, we give you our hearts. We give you our resources. We, we give you our finances. Help us to become righteous, generous people. In Jesus' name, amen. Hi there, this is Jacob Msipa, the senior pastor of Builders Church. I just want to thank you for taking time to listen to our podcast today. And I trust that it will bless and build your spirit. Enjoy the message and God bless you.